Welcome back to It's All Relative in our Daily Fantasy Edition. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm joined by my brother, Steve, and cousin, Brad. And since we're all Daily Fantasy players on DraftKings, we like to jump on Skype each week and walk through our Daily Fantasy decisions and our process. And this week, since it's Thanksgiving, um, we have a special Thanksgiving edition for you. I mean, we had to celebrate with family, right, since it's Turkey Day, and that's all about Family food, football, and of course, fantasy football. So we can't wait for Daily Fantasy Slate on DraftKings and uh, can't wait to talk it over with you guys. So now let me introduce my family and fan speak team. Um, Brother Steve, how are you doing tonight and how was your week 11? Uh, doing okay. Uh, week 11, um, just didn't have the right combos. I was on most of the right players, just didn't have enough Keenan Allen. Really wasn't on Adam Thielen enough. I did do some uh, Cousins Jefferson stacks, yeah. but uh, didn't didn't have Thielen in the mix. Um, okay, week overall, just not what are where I need it to be. Yeah, and same. I got close with some Herbert stacks, but not quite enough. Um, and our cousin Brad is with us. Brad, how are you tonight? And how was your week eleven? I'm doing quite all right, and uh, my week eleven um, was pretty similar to Steve's. Uh, had had some of the better plays, just not always on the same lineup. Yeah, that's that's the bummer about daily fantasy when you're on the right guys, just not together. Um, so let's try to get it right for Thanksgiving. Before we get into talking about the Thanksgiving slate, since it's Thanksgiving week, um, I thought we'd get some quick hot takes from you guys. So um, again, these are just quick answers. I'm going to go to each of you for couple uh like five or six thanksgiving hot takes so brad best thanksgiving side dish um i think stuffing's the chalk not necessarily overrated answer (laughs) but like the of course yeah um why wouldn't you pick that one but i also like a good mac and cheese as well you know i was gonna ask you that um is is that uh, like a southern thing that most southern uh, Thanksgivings. You're in North Carolina, obviously, um, have to have mac and cheese because I've never had mac and cheese at Thanksgiving, which feels like I'm kind of getting robbed. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm not quite sure because I know uh, it's probably like two years ago. I show up to my my dad's Thanksgiving, and I'm like, "All right, where's the mac and cheese?" And my dad, <laughs> my dad made this face where it's like, "You don't eat mac and cheese with on Thanksgiving." And then I look at my siblings, and we're like, "Uh, yeah, we want mac and cheese." <laughs> um, so I don't know if it's just we love mac and cheese or if, if it truly is a Southern thing. But I, I have seen other people do mac and cheese, and it seems to be a more of an optional. Um, optional Thanksgiving side. Yeah, yeah. where it, it can be. And then, you know, sometimes people just don't have the mac and cheese. But I do highly recommend a good mac and cheese. Of course. I Like I said, I feel a little deprived. Um, Steve, your favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Uh, you know, it's kind of basic, but I I love uh, good mashed potatoes, especially with, you know, the gravy that you, you know, turkey gravy yeah. um, is just so perfect. So um, that, that I think just complements the turkey uh, really well. Especially if the, the turkey is dry. <laughs> that, that helps. <laughs> um, and... For those listening, if you don't give a crap about our Thanksgiving hot takes, just skip ahead like three minutes and you'll be good. All right, Brad, best um, Thanksgiving drink. What do you so think? So I don't, yeah, I don't 
really think about drinking a lot on Thanksgiving because I'm I'm saving most of my room for food. Um, <laughs> but there, I'll give a, a favorite fall drink instead that I recently had that Miranda kind of came up with. Okay. Um, it is a apple cider infused like simple syrup. Okay. I like it already. With, you mix that with um, like an apple flavored vodka. Okay. And then you, you mix that with Prosecco or champagne, whatever you have. And so it's like a sparkling apple. Was, is that a I'll drink? take, yeah. yeah. I'm on board um, with this. <laughs> yeah, Miranda, I think, just made it up on the spot one time for a, a catering event, and I thought it was delicious. <laughs> I drank a ton of them one Saturday while watching um, some UNC football. So it also got me in a very fall fall mood. So There you go. That is That will put you in the fall mood, and that would be perfect for Thanksgiving. Steve, I think I know your answer to this. What's your going to be your go-to <laughs> Thanksgiving drink? Yeah, uh, probably uh, something bourbon related. So I'm going to probably go with an old fashioned. Uh, sure. That's uh, just a big fan there. And I think, uh, you know, the whiskey or, or bourbon are always feel better in the fall. So, yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm sure by the end of the Washington game, I'll be diving into the bourbon, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Brad, favorite Turkey Day leftover? Is it still go back to your side? Do you go back to mac and cheese or do you pivot? Uh, mac and cheese is always a good option, but I think st- stuffing really shines here. Um, Agreed. But then also, I know this isn't quite the side dish, but with making a turkey salad out of the leftover turkey is a good right, option. Sometimes you got to get creative with the leftover turkey. Exactly. Sometimes there's just so much, right? Right. Exactly. Steve, favorite turkey day leftover? Uh, well, I'll pivot here and I'll go with... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, just to get rid of two things, uh, <laughs> turkey sliders with the uh, rolls, especially if you get like Hawaiian rolls. Oh, excellent call. Yeah, so I, I think that is a good way to go. And especially if you, I know this year we're eating early so we can watch the Washington game. And then, you know, for the night game, you know, you've kind of almost had a Thanksgiving lunch. You can just have a little Thanksgiving dinner with some sliders i like it all right now let's actually talk thanksgiving football hot takes brad favorite thanksgiving game lions cowboys were the featured primetime and this year we will talk about in a minute but hopefully there is a featured primetime game right i think the best game will be the the cowboys and football team game right Uh, what about every year though do you do you typically lean I love, I always like the first game. I like the Cowboys game. I like the primetime, or does it just depend on the matchup each year? Uh, I, th- I think it mostly depends on the matchup. Um, sure. Cause I know in the, the first game, it tends to be like right when we're like getting all the food ready and, and trying yeah. to eat. And so like, I'm just really hungry and want to eat all the food. <laughs> so I'm not really paying attention too much and it's mostly the lines anyway. So right. um, I'm not too concerned about that. And, uh, <laughs> So normally the the later ones tend to be the better ones anyway, um, yeah. which makes sense. You know, prime time, you want to have the, the best two teams there if right. possible. So I, I, would I agree. tend to favor later in the day. Okay. Steve, favorite Thanksgiving game? Uh, well, this year I do. I agree with Brad. I think the Washington-Dallas game is, yeah. is that's the game where the teams are kind of the most evenly matched, just particularly with what the Ravens might be experiencing. Um, but I think generally speaking, uh, I think the Dallas game tends to be a little better. 
Uh, mm-hmm. There were definitely some years, especially when the Lions had Calvin and Stafford was early in his, yeah. his time, that they had some great games. Uh, but, you know, Dallas is just, I mean, going way back when, obviously, Aikman, um, you know, number of years with Romo, now Dak, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, un- unfortunately not this year. But right. just since even in some years where they didn't have good teams, they were just competitive games because they had a good quarterback um, for a number of these years. Uh, I will say the uh, the Mark Sanchez butt fumble is <laughs> classic Thanksgiving moments of all I time. I forgot about that. How could you forget? All right. Now let's talk daily fantasy. Brad, favorite type of Thanksgiving daily fantasy tournament on DraftKings? The full slate, the short slate that starts at 4.30, or a showdown? My favorite? Um, probably the full slate, but um, I think you have to play a little bit of all of them. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the full slate's like the turkey and then short slate's like the stuffing and then the showdown's <laughs> like some mashed potatoes or mac and cheese, you know. Um, you kind of have to get a little bit of everything, but I, I, I do think I'll, I'll, I'll play the full slate a little bit more. Right. That was a perfect Thanksgiving analogy, by the way. Anytime. Steve, favorite type of DraftKings or fantasy tournament? Yeah, I think the the three-game slate is uh, really the perfect amount of games uh, for for these type of smaller tournaments. When you you get into a situation where it's like five or six, um, and we see this on, you know, 4 p.m. slates. Right. uh, But the difference is then you're, you're just so focused on the overall full slate that sometimes the prize pools aren't as great, and sometimes you have just some some really terrible matchups. This year, I think there's enough uh, excitement in each one of these three games that they're all playable on some level, and just those three games uh, back to back to back um, just make it so perfect. Because when you're doing like a four o'clock slate during the season, all those games are going on at the same time, so you can't really pivot. So here right. you're able to pivot. So it's just this is just like kind of the perfect um, fantasy football slate. Right. Well, that leads to an easy segue. And at the time of this recording, um, the Ravens-Steelers game is still on. However, as I'm sure most of you know, the Ravens have had several positive COVID-positive um, tests. And it sounds like per beat writers, they're expects to be more um, positive um, players. So we'll find that out tomorrow. This is we are taping on um Tuesday night, so we'll see what Wednesday brings. And we obviously should know if the game is on Wednesday because obviously Baltimore would have to travel to Pittsburgh if the game was on. So hopefully we'll know that by tomorrow afternoon and we'll go from there. If this game is canceled, obviously ignore all the game's um, (laughs) takes and analysis. Um, So that would be very unfortunate. I think the NFL will do everything possible to make this game go, um, but we'll have to see what tomorrow brings. So stay tuned. And... Now, let's go into our favorite core plays at each position, guys. So, obviously, it's three games. Everybody's kind of in play, right? But, you know, you kind of have to have um, core plays um, that you're kind of sticking to. So, Brad, who are your core plays? Um, Let's start with quarterback. I think the the obvious one is Deshaun Watson. Um, He clearly has the highest ceiling out of anyone on this, this slate here. Um, he is the highest priced and that can, you know, turn people away from him, um, which is fine. You know, sometimes you want to have a different, um, lineup step, not stack, but, uh, build. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as far as 
other quarterbacks. I think um, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the the amount of times they're just throwing recently and pretty much the lack of run game indicates that he is going to be a, a solid play as well. Um, just the, the volume alone and then also, you know, throwing a ton of touchdowns. Absolutely. Um, and then I think the 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 last guy I'm, I'm really interested in is Alex Smith. Um, mainly the price, but also, um, you know, it's not too shocking if he throws it, you know, 45 plus times in a game. Um, that's, you know, mostly neutral. They could be coming back. You know, Dallas looked pretty good last week. Who knows if they do that again? But right. um, I think the volume could be there for Alex Smith at 5,400 is pretty good. Agreed. Steve, I know I know your answer is going to be mainly Deshaun Watson. Um, so, you know, you could talk a little bit about him, but um, who else will you be sprinkling in when you're not playing Watson? Yeah, I, I think uh, the play this week is Watson. Uh, just the matchup's great. They, um, Detroit, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks it's been P.J. Walker and Alex Smith, and um, they had no problems getting over on Detroit and you know, the the one thing with the Texans, even though the Lions have such a terrible run defense, they just love to throw. And when they get in the red zone, a lot of times if they run one in, it is Watson. So I just mm-hmm. think it's, I agree with Brad, his ceiling is just so high. Um, I do like Ben. Uh, they have thrown uh, so much these last five, six weeks. Um, ben has 40, 40, or more fa- 40 or more pass attempts for the last five weeks. Uh, that's just a ton of volume. Um, obviously, he's not going to do anything with his legs, but uh, it, when you have that kind of volume, good things are going to happen typically with you fantasy wise. Uh, and in this type of short slate, I think he's a, uh, he's the interesting pivot. I think Smith or Dalton are fine. Um, you know, cheaper dart throws. Uh, I just don't necessarily think you need the money this week. Uh, so I don't know if I'll go down to them as much. I'm probably fully fading Lamar and, um, I don't really see myself playing Stafford, uh, though Houston's defense is pretty weak, so that does intrigue me. Right. All right, Brad, now let's talk about the running back position. Um, Who are your core plays for this slate? Sure, yeah. um, Seeing Zeke have a a good game last week is very encouraging. Right. Um, It definitely made his price a little higher, but, you know, like Steve just mentioned, um, you know, price shouldn't be too big of an issue um you know there's no one that's above eight thousand or really above seven thousand and uh i think he's definitely gonna be one of the more popular plays along with swift if he he looks like he's on track to play right um hopefully he he does because the houston defense um you definitely can run on them um i think something that's interesting would be both the redskin ah, did it again um <laughs> The football team, we all running did. backs. Um, you know, I think, uh, as a general comment, I think on short slates, you kind of have to pick how you think the game will go and then build your lineups on off that. Um, because if you get the narrative right for the right. game um, and you get the lineup right, you know, that's how you're going to win. You know, so if you think... Um, you know, Washington's going to be down quick and early. Someone like J.D. McKissick, who will get a ton of targets in that situation, is a great play. Um, however, you think if it's the opposite, 
Um, you know, he might not get quite the target share. I mean, he'll still get some targets, but um, you're definitely looking at someone like uh, Antonio Gibson getting a lot more carries than he otherwise would um, in a different situation. Um, and I feel like you could say that about a lot of other of these games where, you know, if the the Cowboys are down, I mean, they'll still use Elliott because he just, his workload is, is great, but you might be more interested in um, someone else on the Cowboys. But that's just more of a general comment um, to kind of, mentioned both of the the football team running backs and yeah. uh, i think the the last guy that is going to be in the core is gus edwards um both the ravens starting uh, the other two of the the three-headed monster um, <laughs> and the the backfield there have tested positive like you mentioned earlier right. and uh i think gus edwards he had a, a really good game last time they played the steelers you know 87 yards and a touchdown you know, if he does pretty much that again, you know, at 4,000, it's it is pretty good. He's almost like a, if you play cash on these kind of slates, he is certainly block for that as well. Right. Steve, I know that is pretty much your core. Do you have anything to add or in any other guys that you would sprinkle into that? Uh, I would just say uh, from my perspective, I think um, Elliott and assuming Swift plays are the must plays. If Swift doesn't play, then I do think it does get interesting. Do you go Adrian Peterson? Do you go carry on Johnson? Um, do you totally fade that backfield? That becomes a problem. Uh, <clears throat> I definitely think Gibson and Connor are similar guys. Gibson has more touchdown workload. Connor probably a better bet for a hundred yards, though they haven't really done it much lately. Um, it is worth noting one of the guys who will definitely be inactive is Brandon Williams for the Ravens. We saw uh, it took overtime, but Derrick Henry just ran for 100-plus on, on Baltimore. Um, you know, Brandon Williams is their big run stuffer, so that is a factor there. But, um, you know, Duke Johnson is an interesting call. Um, if it, That line's run defense is just so terrible, but he just doesn't get the, the volume you typically like and has just not been effective. Texans have just not been effective all year running the football. So right. um, you have to tell yourself a narrative for that one, but it could pay off. I'm probably going to avoid it just because I really think McKissick gives you a solid floor uh, and, and a ceiling comparable to probably what Duke Johnson or even a Gibson or Connor could do in that high teens, low 20 range. Um, so that's probably more where I'm going to be. Uh, but I think they're all playable and I, I would, I would recommend having a piece of all of them just because it just takes one of these guys to get two touchdowns. Right. Uh, whether it's Gibson, Connor, Duke Johnson somehow, and you need to have them in your lineup. So I, I wouldn't necessarily want to be drawing dead by completely avoiding any of these guys. I think even more so than the other positions, um, I would want a piece of all of these guys. Sure. So you want a piece of all these guys, but like Brad, your core or favorites are probably Swift, Elliott, and then McKissick and Gus for yeah, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. To uh, further enhance that Duke Johnson play, um, <laughs> you know, ranking dead last in fantasy points allowed to uh, running backs, and then giving up a, a league high fourteen rushing touchdowns um, are the the Lions' defense. So, you know. Jam in your Duke Johnsons. 
Oh, I really have to tell myself a story on that one. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Okay, guys, let's talk receiver. And, you know, I think in in this case, I think we like a lot um, of the receivers from Pittsburgh and Houston and, well, McLaurin from Washington and Dallas. Um, But there's other plays you know, available. Steve, I'll go to you first this time. Um, kind of who's who's your core for the wide receiver position? Yeah, my favorite wide receiver is the the top price guy, Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, I just think we we just saw Dallas secondary is just such a mess right now, especially losing Trayvon Diggs. Um, just saw, you know, Thielen and Jefferson just do anything they wanted to against them. Um, if If Washington does have to throw, the only issue here is will Washington throw like 35 times or more? It's 25 like this past week. McLaurin's got to do it on like eight targets. That's going to be tough, mm-hmm. uh, especially not a lot of downfield targets. So uh, love McLaurin, though. I then pivot to the the Steelers and Texans guys. Um, I think Deontay Johnson and Claypool, you know, really it's it's your choice who you favor more. Johnson will get more targets. Claypool has more touchdown equity. Uh, when it comes to Houston, I think Brandy Cooks is the bigger play guy, but Will Fuller probably has a little bit more touchdown equity. Um, you know, Cooks will probably be higher owned uh, just because of the price difference, but I expect them both to be highly owned. Um, uh, so, you know, those are the, the five guys that I really want. And then from there, it's just a matter of choosing the Dallas guy. I think you probably need one, maybe two. Um, Cooper and Lamb are the ones you feel the best with, but Gallup has, for his price, has still gotten a decent number of targets these last three weeks. Uh, so I do think he's worth mentioning, especially versus some low low guys like a uh, Marvin Hall or somebody like that, um, Cam Sims from Washington. Uh, I, I would definitely choose Gallup over those types of guys. So that's where I'm at. But I do think we need to clearly see what happens with the the health of the Houston Texans. Um, Receivers we know got Cobb's out, but Kenny Stills we don't know yet, and we don't know about Juju um, for Pittsburgh, so that can change things. And and if he is out, that could put James Washington as a cheap flyer in play. Okay, um, Brad, Steve mentioned a lot of the the plays that I'm sure you're interested in as well. But who are your favorites at the wide receiver position this week? Yeah, um, you know we both like or it seems like we all like uh, Deshaun Watson a lot. And, right. you know, if we say we play 60-plus percent of them, we're definitely going to be pairing them with, you know, either Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller, you know, maybe even a second receiver, whether it's uh, Kuti or just the other of the Fuller-Cooks combo. Right. Um, so I, I think those will definitely be some of the higher-owned because if Watson, you know, gets 25-plus, you know, just based on... You know, I, I did just mention, you know, how the matchup is for Duke Johnson. But, you know, if Sean Watson's scoring 25-plus, that means Duke Johnson isn't scoring a lot. Right. And that, you know, Fuller, Cooks are getting some, some work. Um, I agree with Terry McLaurin. I think he, you know, he could be the highest-scoring wide receiver on the, the slate. You know, I think he is as good of a chance as anyone. Sure. Um, as far as the Steelers receivers, Deontay Johnson, you know, when he plays a full game, it's really, it seems to be really hard for him not to get 10 plus targets. Um, so I think he is definitely in consideration for being one of the, the more core plays for me. 
Um, right. I personally like Claypool over Juju, um, not only because of the, the injury status, but mainly because the touchdown equity seems to be much higher with Claypool, with him getting rushing uh, attempts around the goal line. Um, I think that Cooper will be the, the Cowboys receiver I'm most mostly interested in. He seems to have gotten the most targets on average um, since Dalton has taken over. Um, but, you know, like Steve said, you know, Gallup for that price tag, you know, you don't need as much as um, Cooper does or even Lamb does. And, you know, he's still getting some work. Um, and I, I do think that it's going to be one of the better games um, in terms of fantasy. So Absolutely. I don't even mind the Gallup play. Um, something that feels bad on a normal slate, but something that, you know, could work on a short slate like this is playing a Lions receiver. You know, the Houston defense really isn't good. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Matt Stafford had 250 yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, that that's really not even that great of a game fantasy-wise. But, you know, for Marvin Hall to, you know, catch a couple passes, you know, for maybe one long for a touchdown, at 3,900, that's great. Um, it could ha- easily happen. That's not out of the, the realm of possibility. And even Marvin Jones at 5,500, it's a little bit more up there being sandwiched between the, the two Cowboys receivers. But, right. you know, he caught a long bomb last week. That got called back. Um, you know, since Galladay's been hurt, he has, or at least the second injury for Galladay. Um, he's had a lot better fantasy production um, and he could be in play against a a pretty poor Texans defense. And I do know that there's been some Thanksgivings where I haven't played him and he starts the day and goes off and you kind of needed him and you say, whoops, I better throw in a couple 430 lineups because I'm not looking good. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys, let's talk tight ends. There's really just seven tight ends with six teams. Um, has two kind of just have one so steve who's your core for tight ends we know the seven guys who who are you kind of focusing on yeah uh for me i think in you know price considered um but i really like eric ebron and dalton schultz the most with hawkinson is kind of my third guy ebron has a touchdown in three of the last four games um as roethlisberger's target or attempts have gone up Ebron's targets have gone up to kind of a six to eight target range. Um, and you're getting him at a, a you know pretty good price at 4,100. Schultz, you know, last these last couple games, even without, um, you know, Dak Prescott, he's seen decent target share and he just got a touchdown this past week. Also, Washington has been absolutely terrible against tight ends. It hasn't fully paid off just because they've had some, you know, uh, luck on their side with some of the bad quarterbacks they've played in recent weeks. Um, but the, uh, the Washington football team defense is historically been bad against tight ends. And early on this year, when they saw some better tight ends, like the Eagles guys, the Rams guys, a uh, few others, um, teams were able to throw on them at will. So I see that likely returning this week. Um, and Schultz in line for a good game. And, and Hawkinson, I just think with no Kenny Galladay, uh, Texans also another defense that doesn't necessarily defend the tight end extremely well. Um, you know, just makes a lot of sense. I will be totally off 
um, Mark Andrews, uh, you know, it, again, there maybe I'd have one hedge lineup, but I just really don't want to go down that route. Pittsburgh has been the number one defense guarding tight ends. Uh, they've allowed only one touchdown all year against tight ends and, um, you know, 36 catches all year for tight ends. So Andrews had one of his worst games of the year last time these two teams met, and I don't see that really changing. Okay. Brad, how about you? Are you paying up for Andrews? Are you paying down? Or are you sticking in that middle range like Steve is? I will definitely be sticking to pretty much the same three Steve mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, it's really hard not to pick one of those three. Um, as far as Andrews goes, if you like Lamar and you think that he could, you know, have a great game, it's going to probably come through Andrews or coming back to wide receiver Marquise Brown. Um <laughs> I'm not suggesting you play those two players because, again, I just don't see it happening. Um, but I, I don't think it's like – it's pretty much if I play Andrews, it will be in the same lineup with uh, Lamar. Um, right. Because that, that's going to be the lineup where I tell myself that the, the Ravens are back. They're scoring 35 <laughs> points, and uh, you know Andrews catches two. Marquise, Mar- Marquise Brown gets a one. Lamar runs in the other two or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) Um, But I I agree. I think Ebron and Schultz will probably be my top two owned with um, thrown in Hawkinson a little bit. Right. As far as punt tight ends, I think I'll be leaning towards Jordan Akins. Um, You're really just hoping for a touchdown, especially at that price. And uh, I think, I think that's it. I mean, (laughs) there's only so many guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't want to play Logan Thomas, you know, if I'm going to play in that price range, I'm going to go with Schultz. And then if I go cheaper, I'm going to go Aikens. So. Okay. All right, guys. And now let's talk kind of big picture, Steve, what kind of macro lineup strategies um, do you have or GPP strategies that you're kind of looking at this uh, Thanksgiving slate to set yourself apart from the field in a three gamer? Uh, well, one of the ways I think you really can set yourself apart is if you pick a team and uh, really go underweight on what the expectation is. And, you know, I've seen a few. <laughs> Ravens, yeah. And, and that is it. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, well, I think not all the ownership stuff out there right now has been properly correlated to especially the Baltimore News or potentially Swift coming back. Um you know, Ravens are, are still pretty popular out there. And, um, you know, Gus Edwards, I think he's cheap enough. And just the way running backs work, I think it makes, and, and what he did last time against Pittsburgh, like like Brad said, um, I still want some, some usage of him, but I probably want to be underweight in the field. And I definitely want to be, I'm planning on being way underweight on Lamar, Andrews, and I don't think Brown's going to be highly owned, but I, I will have probably zero Marquise Brown. So I'll, I'll definitely be underweight on the field there. And I just think that that sets you up. Um, you know, I saw some early projections having Lamar as potentially the number two um, owned quarterback. So, uh, you know, and, and then Mark Andrews as the number one owned tight end. So, you know, if, if you're extremely underweight on those two, you've really changed the field. Um, even if you are taking the number one owned, quarterback in like Deshaun Watson if you now don't have a number one tight end Mark Andrews I've seen numbers in the low 40 percent 
ownership range for him and he doesn't go off um especially relative to his price then you are are really at a different situation in the field so um i think it's fine to eat some chalk but i just think you need just one or two tweaks to it uh to to change it up just a little bit and i do think with short slate something like this leaving a little money on the table isn't a bad idea um you know I wouldn't leave 3000, but if you're leaving 500 to a thousand, that might end up working out well. And, um, because most people are going to jam in that extra money. Um, you know, maybe it's, uh, you play Gibson and somebody's jamming in Connor more for that extra 200 or something like that. Um, you know, or so I, I would just do those types of things to try and differentiate yourself slightly. Uh, but I wouldn't get, be too worried about overall ownership. Um, just find a few secondary players who you're going to be underweight on. I think the easiest thing, like I said, is to pick a team and just be underweight on that team and then go from there. Right. And before I go to Brad, um, your point about Gus Edwards, remember to put a player like that in the flex. It gives you kind of some um, well, flexibility. And if you're doing well, you could stick with the chalk. If you're not, you can get weird and get crazy and hope that someone you pivot to off of uh, probably a chalky Gus Edwards goes off. I know a lot of people did a switch off Dalvin to, you know, Thielen and somebody else, you know, and, and did a 2v2. Um, I know I know that kind of worked for some people to if they started off bad. So that's something to consider um, in these types of slates. And you do have more time to adjust than a typical one. 4 p.m. you know bigger slate so brad what are some gpp strategies you tend intend to use to separate from the field on this slate um it's kind of the opposite of what uh steve kind of just mentioned is find a team that um not necessarily like going against what he said because I, I definitely agree with that but kind of finding a team that is lower owned that you think could have a, a pretty good day sure um i think i think the the clear choice here is the Detroit Lions. Um, I know you still have Matt Patricia as the head coach, but um, you know they're going to be behind. The Houston defense isn't one to be afraid of. Um, Matt Stafford will probably be throwing the ball quite a bit, and um, it's not fun to play Marvin Jones Jr. or really any other Lion player, but I mean... A double stack of you know Marvin's Marvin Jones and Hawkinson with Matt Stafford, and then bringing it back with some of the the Houston receivers. Um, you know that could be a way to one differentiate yourself because no one's really going to try and play double lines. Right. Um, and I think that is an area where you can um, separate yourself um, since no one else is really going to have that kind of construction, and will be definitely more favorable to play um, that kind of setup. And then this kind of goes along with the, we've mentioned this before with setting a narrative in your head. You know, if you think kind of, I just mentioned that the lines will be down and that they're going to have to throw a lot, you know, playing lines receivers is probably the right way to go. Um, you know, same thing with the, the Cowboys uh, football team game where, you know, if you think one team is going to jump out to an early lead or just be winning in general, that the other team will have to throw a lot and come back. 
whether it's the you know McKissick McLaurin route or if it's the you know the Cooper and Gallup route or Dalton right. Schultz you know um, and then you can match that with playing the running back from the opposing team that's going to be up um, you know so if Dallas is up you're playing Zeke and you're running it back with McKissick and McLaurin mm-hmm. um, and conversely um, you play Gibson with coming back with you know Cooper or Lamb um, you know, those kind of ideas where um, one team is winning, chances are they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more, you play that running back, you run it back. I mean, that's kind of a basic setup and team stacks, but um, I think that kind of goes with the flow of the narrative you set in your your head when making lineups. Right, and I think it applies even more on a three-game slate. So I agree with both you guys. You know, underweight on a team, overweight on a team. I'll add one more, overweight on a game. If you think that one or two of the games could be much slower paced or lower scoring and one game's going to set itself apart, there's nothing wrong with going heavy game stack on one game. Um, Maybe just getting a couple pieces from the other. So I'm going to do a couple of those as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I just wanted to add that I think Brad's right. I think I think Detroit is the um, the uh, the play that can really separate yourselves because they're not expected to be highly owned from everything I'm seeing so far. And uh, and I get it. Uh, it's a Matt Patricia team. They just got shut out by Carolina, <laughs> who doesn't exactly have the world's best defense, and they're without mm-hmm. the best receiver. But at the same time, Vegas thinks they're going to score points. Vegas mm-hmm. has their, their implied total at 24 right now. I've mm-hmm. seen 23 and a half. I've seen 24 and a half. But around essentially 24, that's higher than Washington. That's higher than Baltimore. That's half a point lower than Dallas and one point lower than Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Vegas is believing in Detroit to basically match what Dallas and Pittsburgh is going to do. So, uh you know, maybe if the ownership's right, I, I see going there. Um, yeah, so I, I agree that they're a team that has some some sneaky plays uh, that could could make sense. And a great point about you know the Vegas team total. To you know, that's something to consider. All right, guys. Before we sign off, do you guys want to do a very quick Thanksgiving DraftKings lineup? Sounds good. All right, pull it up, Brad. We're gonna let you go first. Um, you start us off. I think I'm going to pick the obvious choice, and we'll start with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Okay, let's start the game stack there, or start the stack there. <laughs> Steve, I'm going to go to you next. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, assuming he plays at running back as my first choice. Okay, and I know you're big on Swift this week, and I agree and love that coming back in the same game. All right, I'm going to go ahead and do the obvious pairing and go ahead and pair him with Brandon Cooks. So we've got a mini game stack. Do we want to go big game stack, or do we want to, you know, touch on the other games? Brad, let's see where you go. <laughs> um, let's see. I think uh, I think I'm going to add another one from the game. I think, I, right. I think I'm going to go with the uh, the TJ Hawkinson play at a tight end. All right, I like it. All right, Steve, we got 5,200 average per player, approximately. What are you looking at next? 
Uh, you know, I'm going to, it's pricey, but I think it's worth it. I'm going to go on the Zeke train. Okay. Oh, I can't decide. Do we want to make this a big old game stack or do we want to go away from it? You know what? Just because I'm a Washington homer, he said, Zeke, I have to get McLaurin in this lineup. So now we got to get cute because we're left with 4,100. So we don't need to fill in all the positions, but let's at least fill in two more. Brad, what do you think? Um, if we're trying to get cute, um, <laughs> I think one of the – I'm kind of between two players. One's going to be definitely super high-owned. Um, and one could be high on depending on injury statuses of other players. But um, I think the super obvious one, um, we can we can shove him in here. Um, we can kind of get a little bit of a chalk play with uh, oh. Gus Edwards. Sure. I thought that's where you're going. And that works. Again, put him in the flex. You have the positional um, eligibility to go, you know, wide receiver, running back, tight end, if you need to pivot away from it in the late game. So, Steve, um, what wide receiver do you like? And then we could leave defense, you know, kind of open. So uh, what I'll just say is uh, I think what's interesting here is if you go cheap defense, let's say Texans or Cowboys, um, you would have enough to get either uh, Marvin Jones Jr. or C.D. Lamb with that spot. Yeah. If you go – expensive defense pittsburgh or washington then um you could go for like a marvin hall or what i'd probably do uh kiki coutier uh, assuming kenny stills is out um but i'd probably go michael gallup here and kind of really focus on these games and then um run with like a one of the two higher defenses Okay, I think that kind of gives a couple of different options. I like this lineup a lot. The only thing I think I kind of scares me is not having a Steelers player in this lineup. That would be the only thing that I think I'd be a little shaken about come the late game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be one of those games where uh, this, is, this is the lineup where you convince yourself that the Steelers-Ravens game is a, is a dud. Yes, um, like an AFC North slugfest. Yeah, right. A good old classic 16 to 13 game. Exactly. Then you're in business with this lineup. I like it. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for us. Before we sign off, Brad, any last Thanksgiving thoughts? Um, super excited to eat a lot of food and not move a lot while watching some football. Um, <laughs> Hashtag also, goals. <laughs> yeah. Also excited to, to see some family on uh, both sides here. So. Um, looking forward to that. And, yeah. All right, Steve. Last uh, Thanksgiving thoughts. Yeah. No. I uh, hope everyone has a great time, great day, uh, enjoys football, and you know if you can't be with your family, hopefully you can uh, call them, Skype them, whatever. So, um, you know, uh, hope everyone can enjoy the holiday and stay safe. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us for a very special Thanksgiving edition. Uh, we hope to continue to do these weekly for the main slate. But, yes, good luck to everybody this week. May variance be on your side. Stay safe, and we will see you next time.